You're listening to the Sill Podcast Perspectives on Art and Technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 53 Place Your Bets. Is Life Predetermined? We're talking about playing the odds here today, Harry. Playing the odds. Place your bets, folks. Place, Place your, your bets. bets. <laughs> Step right up. <laughs> I've got Cucamonga in the third. Cucamonga in the third. Okay. <laughs> so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about determinism, uh, yeah. playing the odds. Yeah. Is your life determined? How much is your life determined without your free will? Or my consent. Your consent. Did you consent to be born? Do you consent to die? Someone might. Yeah, but mostly those are two things that are determined for us in a way. Right. Unless we commit suicide. But then you can argue that that act was determined by all the things that you brought into your life mm -hmm. that made you sad and depressed, etc. Okay, so we're talking about the making of an individual. So I want to start this conversation with a uh, quote by American writer Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. And he says, we are what we pretend to be. So we must be careful about what we pretend to be. Okay. That's interesting. See, he's suggesting there that as we grow up as selves, that we are mostly pretense. We're mostly pretending to be human rather than being authentically human. So we put on airs. We act in certain ways in order to be liked. Mm-hmm. You know, Get people's be approval. Become popular at school, popular with mom and dad, that sort of thing. All things that we've learned along the way. Sure. Human behavior. Right. And most of it is pretense. I think that's what Vonnegut is saying. And then that you have to be careful because you can become the caricature. That of you your, pretend to be. That you're, of yourself. So we've determined our lives by our habits of needing to be liked. Mm-hmm. And that's a big one. Or accepted. Yeah. Even yeah. if not liked, we definitely want to be accepted. Right. And I'm aware of, in my life, doing that, of being a certain kind of person in the world in order to not be rejected, in order to be liked, accepted, that sort of thing. And my perception of myself mm -hmm. is different from inside than what other people see of me from the outside. Other people might say, oh, he's a nice guy. He's funny, da 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 da. And then other people who read my novels or mm -hmm. short stories may say, wow, mm -hmm. there's a darkness in there. There's a dark humor. Where's that come from, Harry? Well, you I know? sometimes honestly think I live a double life. Uh huh. And it's only in my latter years that I've really become aware of it. What's the nature of the double life? The, the double life in terms of what I actually think and feel about many things versus what I express openly or what I discuss or how I behave. It's not always indicative of what I'm experiencing. And I'm finding that the truer I am being to myself, the more challenging it's becoming in many situations because I feel, it may not be the case, but I feel like those around me aren't changing the same way or at least not in the same direction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, because I'm far less concerned about certain things than I used to be. Yeah, 
Being popular, being liked is not my primary concern. Not that it ever really was, but it was certainly more important than it is now. Yeah. For me, anyway. I think that's a part of uh, growing up. There's a certain point where the world has taken you along on the wave of care by your parents, relationships with friends, and mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. And a certain around maybe 27, 28, the world says, okay, enough support. You're on your own, buddy. Mm-hmm. And then you have to start, quote unquote, making a life for yourself. As if you can make anything happen. The American dream, you know. You can do anything you want. But that's part of the discussion here, isn't it? Can we do that? Right. Can we actually do that? That's the question. You know, sometimes I think to myself, okay, I'm coming upon a moment here. It's any minute now. I'm going to come upon a moment where I'm aware of how everything that has happened to me in the past is playing into this moment and making me say and think and do something that people will recognize as Harry. Mm -hmm. Can I, in that moment, say or do something where people will not recognize me as Harry? And they'll go, what? And literally, I'll disappear. I'll disappear. And that's why we don't do that, I think, is that we feel that we'll just become invisible if we step out of the history that has made us. The conditions are very, very strong and habitual. Mm -hmm. I may be more invisible to those who see me, but I feel a lot more visible to myself. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does make a lot of sense. And the thing that plays into that is, as you mentioned earlier today on the phone with me, how Mm. our emotions tend to determine how we act. Because our emotions establish how we feel. Mm. So basically what I was saying to you is is that we act primarily on how we feel. Yes, right. Now, the question is, what makes us feel the way we do, and can we determine that? In other words, can we control how we feel? Right. So in a moment of road rage... Mm-hmm. In the middle of that road rage, can I suddenly go, I'm in the middle of road rage. I'm now going to stop and just take a breath and let things be exactly. and relax. You know, can I do that? Mm-hmm. It's very, very difficult. You try it sometime where you're in the very middle of an emotional nexus and tell yourself, step out of that. Mm-hmm. Step back. Take a breath. Take a moment. I think some of us are better at that than others. And I think people who are not good at it at all have a difficult time comprehending those who do have some ability to do that. Yeah, yeah. And vice versa. We talk about art and technology here on this podcast. Yeah. And what art does is it takes these emotional leaps into territory that is uncharted in some cases. For example, you could take the Dada movement in the early 20th century, followed by the Surrealist movement, Mm -hmm. and they were all about bringing the contents of the unconscious to the surface, free of any filters. Mm -hmm. So it meant that uh, dripping watches, (laughs) in the case of Dali, Dali, you know, Dada performances, uh, Kurt Schwitters uh, doing his... Inventing his own language. Inventing language by just breaking words into sounds, Sounds. into more Mm -hmm. primitive aspects of reality, Mm -hmm. uh, sort of tribal dancing, using African masks. The Dadaists were all about playing with reality and making it plastic 
again, mm-hmm. because it tends to concretize and become habituated. Mm-hmm. And that movement, the Dada movement, em- emerged in the middle of the First World War. Mm-hmm. And so these artists, these writers, these poets were witnessing the carnage and the stupidity right. of human nature, total futility. futility yeah. And they were trying to go beyond that and say, none of that is important. That reality is just bullshit. Let me just show you what bullshit looks like. Right. I'm going to make up something. Well, it's also a matter of breaking down rigidity. Yeah. Get outside of yourself and don't necessarily abide by all preconceived. Yeah, don't let history determine the future. Mm -hmm. And that really is, uh, in a way, civilization's weakness its weak point mm-hmm. is that we tend to adhere fall back. To, adhere to history repeating itself. Yeah. It's, we're all about tradition, tradition. Yeah. Instead of saying, why don't we change that? Yeah. What if we do something completely different, different yeah. to steal a phrase from Monty Python? Yeah. And now for something completely different. Different. Why don't we try things? Why don't we allow ourselves to play? And that's what children do. Right. And it's I, also fun because you're just being playful. That's right. And and that opens us up completely in terms of feeling of well-being, our feelings of interest, Mm -hmm. perceptions. It doesn't mean that you negate the facts of daily living, but you do not reduce Mm -hmm. the lighter side of living. Yeah, the childlike. Krishnamurti said we have to move from innocence to innocence. Mm -hmm. I love that expression. I mean, think about the adults that you do know or people in your life that you enjoy being around. Yeah. Yeah. Typically, they do have a more playful, kinder nature. Sure. That's right. And they never relate things to their age. Mm -hmm. They relate them more to their state of well-being. Yeah. You don't hear a happy 82-year-old say, I'm too old to dance. Yeah. Yeah. They just get up and dance. They may be too old to dance. Right. It's almost like your father and grandfather died of a heart attack. Yeah, your chances of getting it may be greater than mine because my father and grandfather didn't die like that. But why should it stop you from trying to improve your life and your health anyway? Yeah. If you're going to go, you're going to go. But you greatly reduce your chances if you take a different approach. So what we seem to be saying is in the face of a deterministic attitude, the way to get through that or around it is to basically say, screw you to history. Screw you to my personal history. Because I'm an 80-year-old, I don't have to follow the precepts of what an 80-year-old is supposed to be like, right? I'm taking more of, okay, well, that's one way. Here's another. Yeah. Well, however you can get to it. Right, right. Through screw you or, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever. just be happy-go-lucky. It's a matter of getting there from here. And right. that's the challenge we all face. And I think we have to get there sooner rather than later. The world itself is in such a place where people are stuck. And we're stuck because... We're living in a world that is seemingly so determined that we kind of fall into a resignation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people you see out there are basically resigned to the things being what they are and them being who they are. That's depression making. Yeah. And here's something else I want to bring up in light of this conversation, which I refer to as everyone has a price to things. Mm. I think that's a very important understanding in the human condition. Give me an example. Of okay. That. So... I think everyone, in the way we're cultured, in our behavior, we are designed to respond to wants and needs. So, for example, you may say, I am not going to spend another 50 cents on an extra cream for my coffee. And I will immediately assume that you're very tight with your money 
and then you will turn around and spend $100 on a book that I wouldn't spend $5 on. Yeah. You have a price. I have a price. Mm-hmm. And the price is based on what we value. Yeah. But that is also something that kind of restricts us in that we now become an individual or a group that can be molded. Because once you have a price for something, all I have to figure out is what it is mm-hmm. that your price is and what makes you go there. Right. So, I mean, the moral of the story is, as Nietzsche put it, we need to engage in the reevaluation of all values. Because it's our values combined with our immediate emotional needs mm-hmm. that combine to make us act in certain ways. Mm-hmm. But if we understand these values and how, in many cases, how flimsy they are, and how non-existent, really, or meaningless. Yes. We could drop these inanities and these insanities. Fox, Fox. So, what's your story? You're supposed to say, you know, we're important. And you're yeah. supposed to say, it's all going to be all right. And you're supposed to say uh, that, you know, whatever you dream can come true. And you're supposed to say all those things. I do believe in manifestation, power of that kind of stuff. But I don't believe that any of it matters. You know, this mattering is, a, is to me a, a human construct born out of a need, the same need as you have to have you know, deities and things like that. I, mean, I believe in an energy of God, an yeah. energy of, you know, everything is divine. You know, there's just not, there's no, there's no thing that isn't divine. Everything is divine and I'm that. And it doesn't matter to me what's happening. I'm finding that ultimately the, the freedom from it is, uh, is something people are kind of hungry for in a way. They're like, I don't want to be me either. Right. You know, and I, and I go, well, look, great, because you never have been. Fox, Fox. Jim Carrey is a good example of someone who's taken the idea of the self mm-hmm. and the self in search of meaning, quote unquote, and kind of blowing that up where this whole idea of life is determined in advance is saying that the meaning of our lives is meaningless. There is no meaning if everything is determined. Right. And Jim Carrey saying stuff like, well, there is no self. So there is no meaning at all. Don't worry about going after meaning. It doesn't matter. It's an interesting concept. But these are concepts that not everyone wants to even tackle or even consider. No. And for the most part, we go through our days unconscious, Mm -hmm. actually, of our self being in the world, unconscious of what's formed our personalities and our responses, Mm -hmm. uh, what's informed them, and uh, unable to, as a result, stop step out of ourselves and be something else in the moment. Yes. So to me, in the absence of understanding or comprehending everything or even trying to begin with the things you can modify. So for example, the raising of children to me is critical. When you think about your own life, think about how many years it took you to alter or change those things that were given to you at a very early age. Well, that's, that process begins at the moment the child says, I to themselves, Mm -hmm. I want that, I want this, I am hungry. Mm -hmm. That moment is the declaration of independence. And it's the moment where 
I'm going to create something in the world that is reflective of me and what I represent in the world. So that's the beginning of it there. And then there's a point in our lives where, as I said before, we're just kind of jettisoned, maybe in our late 20s. And the world says, okay, now you're on your own. Make something of it. Make something of your life. So how much of what you're told do you think is strictly cause and effect? That's very hard to say. I mean, uh, someone who's with a scientific bent might say most all of it is cause and effect. Mm -hmm. If you show me the cause, I'll show you an effect. If you show me the effect, I can surmise the cause. That's a very deterministic viewpoint. Totally deterministic. And science can't help but do that because of their methodology. Mm -hmm. But if you take a spiritual approach, then it becomes less linear and more circular, if you like, more spherical, more Mm goddess-centric, goddess-like. More connected to the universe type of approach. Yeah, and to the fact that many things happen at the same time. Mm -hmm. It isn't just one thing, then the next, then the next. Mm -hmm. Calculus was created, as far as I understand, in different parts of the world at the same time. They didn't cause and affect each other to happen. They emerged at the same moment. And they weren't speaking to each other or even knew of each other. Right. Right. So I think that's true of other phenomena, too, mm-hmm. which suggests that there's a kind of uh, not chaos or randomness, but a certain uh, simultaneity of consciousness on the planet where we may be affecting each other subconsciously, actually. Across the other side of the world, someone may be picking up very subconsciously. Well, transference of energy. Yeah. Picking up on this conversation. Uh, that's and, right. and thinking some of the same thoughts at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it is a mystery. And so to say that everything is determined. Mm-hmm. If you adhere to that totally, then you won't believe that a lot of things are possible to change. So, for example, let's talk about genetic predisposition. Yeah. How many people have you heard describe that my father had this or my mother had that, so therefore I'm probably going to get it? And almost not even allowing for the possibility that they can change that. Mm-hmm. So, for example, my father uh, died of a heart attack. My grandfather died of a heart attack. Therefore, I'm more than likely going to get a heart attack. So I'm just going to give in to that fact. I'm not even going to attempt to change my diet or change my viewpoint or change the stress levels in my life because it's, it's inevitable. All, it's all predetermined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, and that goes with a lot of things that we're raised with and taught. So that I go back to as a parent or as an individual in a position of authority, Mm -hmm. as much as you can, I think it's important to keep that door open, to not be insistent on the basis that things cannot be changed. They can't be altered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's very confining. Yeah. And to teach the child that first and foremost, they aren't a citizen, a consumer. They're a human being and a Mm -hmm. spiritual being. And what that means is something that is very fluid. It's a mystery there. It's full of potential. Right. And to be enjoyed and relished. To be enjoyed, relished, exploded into the world mm-hmm. and not sort of on the coattails of history or tradition or rules or regulations. Our job as growing up is to break free of these rules and regulations to see what can happen beyond them. And that kind of thinking also fosters independence and greatly reduces fear-based thinking. Mm-hmm. We really all need to become artists in our own way. Mm-hmm. 
or at least find that artistic temperament that says, oh, that's interesting that you say that's a lamp, and we agree that that's a lamp, but it could also be, you know what, it looks a bit like a halo above your head, Peter. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's your halo. Maybe, you know, you're a saint, and we never knew that. Let me consider you a saint and listen to you in a different way, consequently. Yeah. And now everything that comes out of your mouth has a certain energy that it didn't have before. All of this points towards a kind of more Buddhist-like approach to life, a kind of a more simplified approach to life, where decluttering one's value closet (laughs) Mm -hmm. and only keeping what is essential, jettisoning the rest, and operating out of that authentic, personal, directly experienced value system. So much of what we think of as ourselves and our thoughts and feelings are secondhand. Yes, they are. They're coming from outside. We're swallowing them whole without actually examining them. And if we jettisoned all that, examined them and say, okay, this is not something I've experienced. This is not real. That's not exactly real. That's from over there. And what do I know is real? And keeping that, Mm -hmm. it would be a different self engaging this complicated world of ours. Mm -hmm. And our economy is a huge part of all this behavioral activity because a lot of it is founded on that, Uh, even from birth. Mm -hmm. Your parents are behaving in great measure to economic responses. Which is a shame because we're swallowed up in the economic ethos of the times. And for, as I'm saying, artists are not in their heart and soul and spirit, caught up in economics. They're caught up in beauty and creativity in novelty. And that's the approach we have to take in order to crack the economic ceiling. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you have to be plainly aware of the fact that there is a reality in the economy. It's not like it's non-existent. There is a a to and from. I know, but most of that reality is created by people who have deterministic tendencies. Yes. Right? If you're a business person, you know that if you do this, 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 and this, your likely outcome will be increased profits. Exactly. Okay? That's all deterministic. Yes, it is. It's all numeristic and deterministic. And so if we're going to get out of this treadmill of history determining our future and a lack of free will, we've got to crack through these deterministic systems that surround us, whether it's governmental or Mm -hmm. economic or religious. We've got to crack through that in the same way that as you grow up, you have to crack through your cultural background, your genetic background, the society you're born into, and become a world citizen. Mm -hmm. And none of it's really possible without self-examination. Right on, right on. Until you get to the point where you can at least begin to look at yourself and your individual behavior, not just the behavior of those around you. It's far more important to understand self. And I'm suggesting that if you do, you'll begin to change the things that need to be changed. Looking to the politicians, looking to the institutions Mm -hmm. to change our world, I think we have to start with ourselves, what we consume, what we think, what we feel, how we behave, why. Talking about a revolution, (laughs) whoa, you know. That's what we're talking about here. Revolution. Revolution. In the If man is still alive If woman can survive They may fall 
the Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. You and say is in the pill you took today.